I grew up in the South, and um, so I'm used to seeing, and I, I still look for, church signs. In the South, they're just ubiquitous. Little churches, big churches, will have these signs out where they change out the letters and give you different sorts of messaging. Um, most of them are terrifying, but some of them are, are, are interesting, and I happen to enjoy that um, medium. And I was, um, this past week, on just south of here, about three or four miles, on Logan Street, and I saw a church sign, and it caught my eye, and I can't stop thinking about it. Now, the sign, I'll warn you, is a little corny, <clears throat> but I think it actually pairs kind of nicely, um, a little bit of a stretch, but kind of nicely with this gospel reading. And the sign says, I didn't catch the denomination, but the sign says, God answers Nemail. I told you it was corny. <clears throat> God answers Nemail. But the reason why I think it pairs kind of nicely with this gospel reading is this reading is actually about um, how God answers prayers. It, it, more specifically, it's, it's really about how, how we know what signs we have that God is close and loving and healing and, and all of those good things. How, how do we know that? What do we see or feel or experience that helps us trust how it is that God answers prayers? This gospel reading, the story takes place the day after the feeding of the 5,000. And some of the followers of Jesus who were present for the feeding of the 5,000 have tracked down Jesus. So what happened after the feeding is Jesus was ready for a break, and it's one of those moments where he's trying to get away from the crowds, get away from the people to a place set apart. Some of those followers track him down. They find him. And when they get to Jesus the day after the feeding of the 5,000, they ask him, what sign are you going to do for us so that we may see it and believe you or trust you? So, so what, what are you going to do now? The feeding of the 5,000 was yesterday. Are you going to up the ante? Or are you going to do it again? Will the sign be great? What are you going to do for us so that we may see it and believe you? Now, before we consider Jesus' very pointed and all too clear response to that request, let me tell you that there is a part of me that can really relate to what they're asking for, actually. Especially if you interpret it in the most positive light. What sign are you going to do for us so that we may believe? Ken and Katie, Ken and Broderick and I regularly pray with people in the hospital room before a surgery. And usually I ask before I say a prayer, and the prayer is usually at the end before we leave, I usually ask you what you would like for me to pray for in your own words. And the answers there um, will sort of surprise you. They, they range from healing to peace of mind um, to all sorts of things, just so that I can get home tomorrow when they said I would. And then what I usually do is take the language that the person said, and then I pair it with these words that I usually say, that God's Spirit and the prayer, God's Spirit will... Um, rest upon the doctor or surgeon, 
God's Spirit will be within the nurses and caregivers and the PT staff and everybody who will come into this room this night and in the coming days, and that all of that will work for good, all of that will come together somehow to bring about healing and peace of mind and restoration that you might go home soon and be returned to family and friends and a community who love you very much. It's a very Episcopal prayer, but nonetheless, it's a prayer that, that God will give some sign, whether the doctor or, or something, that will help the person, help us, know that it was all worth it. Know that we can trust that everything's going to turn out reasonably well. That we don't have to be as afraid as we were last night. If nothing more, make us less afraid, O oh God. Give us some reason that we can be less afraid. So I can relate to these followers of Jesus who ask for a sign if you interpret it in the most positive light. Nevertheless, Jesus' very pointed response <clears throat> reveals that their request for a sign is actually a, a quest, a futile quest for proof. That is for, for certainty and probably for control. So Jesus says, the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And in a nutshell, what Jesus is saying here in this passage is that God is bigger than Moses. Remember the story? Dr. Robbins just read it, the story from Exodus about when the people were in exile and they're frustrated with Moses, they're frustrated with religious leaders, they're frustrated with being in the wilderness, they want to go back, and, and God delivers um, the manna from heaven. And Jesus here is essentially saying, God's bigger than Moses. God's bigger. This is not about Moses in that story only. And it's not just about 5,000 people. It's actually about the entire world. This is much bigger than you realize what it is. And this bread is not just bread. It's not just sustenance. It's not just nutrition, however divinely or locally sourced or both. It also has this internal meaning. For in the scriptures, bread is also a symbol for wisdom. Bread is always a symbol for companionship, and that's what it means on its most literal level. So have you heard and tasted the inner, the inner nutrition, the spiritual reality of that bread that 5,000 people received yesterday? John's gospel, John loves um, this word sign. In many ways, it's the, it's the key that unlocks the whole gospel in many, many, many ways. And these followers use the word here in this reading, but they actually don't understand it. Um, in John's gospel, all the great um, events are signs. So the changing transformation of water into wine at Cana, John says that's a sign. The feeding of the 5,000 here, it, it's a sign. And what John means by that word in the original language 
is something akin to what we mean by a symbol, especially if you, if you understand symbol properly, which is something that is real and dynamic and traditional and has all this spiritual meaning inside of it. Symbols relate to the core of human existence in every culture, in every age. Symbols have to do with birth and death and blood and water and wine and hunger and friendship. They touch us at our very core. They're the places in which we feel the most amount of joy and often the most amount of vulnerability and uncertainty. And these transformations, like the feeding of the 5,000 or Jesus or God's Spirit, meeting us in those most tender of places. And these symbols, Jesus is essentially saying, I'm reading into it a little bit, but Jesus is essentially saying these symbols, like the bread of God, have multiple layers of meaning. They never, ever mean one thing, ever. It's not just feeding people. It's also wisdom. It's not just giving you, making your hunger go away. It's also making you less lonely. It's about companionship. These symbols have multiple layers of meaning. And another summer and for another day, they don't just relate to your thoughts. They relate to your feelings and your emotions. And they're one of the time-tested ways in which God speaks to us and relates to us. So, God answers Nemail. But the answers are mysterious, and the answers are are various. They vary. Sometimes we pray, and our circumstances change very little, if at all. But yet, God mysteriously and powerfully just, just opens a path forward. Nothing much has changed, but on the inside... We know that we can keep going and continue to walk humbly with our God. At other times, something dramatic happens. I do believe sometimes the hungry are fed, the dead are raised. There's a breakthrough that occurs that no one, especially religious leaders or even faithful people, that no one could foresee that that would happen, that it would turn out so, so good. That happens sometimes too. At other times, what God grants us is just a sense that we're not alone. And that sometimes is enough, and sometimes more than enough, just to be granted that. And as we prepare to receive Holy Communion, let us also remember that the sacraments are also God's answers or God's response to human need and prayer. For the sacraments always relate to, to the symbolic moments in our life where we're the most tender or the most joyful, to birth, to hunger, to love, to the mistakes we make in life, to our death. These, these sacraments are always in those, those places. And that's why the, the prayer book has always traditionally and still defines them as outward and visible signs of inward and spiritual grace. I don't know if our director of communications, Evans Owsley, can make that fit on a church sign. (laughs) But I'm certain that it pairs really well with what this gospel reading is all about.